Hey, welcome to another episode of Startup Sales. Today we have a terrific episode with Jeremy from Lead IQ. This is for all you founders and salespeople out there that are struggling with uh, getting new clients and actually like picking up the phone and getting out in front and basically prospecting, outbound prospecting. Because today's episode is all about outbound prospecting and how to do it and some really great tips to make it easy, fun, and really increase their numbers of uh, people getting back to you. So I hope you like it today. Uh, it's really about having fun. We're going to talk about being email patterns, how to reach out cold, knowing your competition, uh, and being able to scale all this as well. So it's really great. And if you're an early stage startup and you need help figuring out how your uh, sales calls should go or what to send in emails and how to set your pricing, then I've put together a great boot camp uh, together for for all these startups where we go over all this stuff and we set it up for you and your company uh, based off of your sales cycle. So if you want more information on that, head on over to startupsales.io. That's startupsales.io. Let's get to today's episode with Jeremy. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. All right, Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. Happy to be here. Great. So can you tell everybody listening a little bit about who you are and what your background is? Sure. Yeah. So I've been doing business development, you know, sales development type work for about five years now. Been in and out of sales for, for 10 years. And, you know, um, my specialty, you know, got ended up being in, on the prospecting side doing business development um, at my last job. Um, I realized that I started to be really good at it because our, our quota for meetings set in a month um, doing business development was 15 and I booked 37 meetings in a month and, you know, hit quota like 10 months in a row. So I was like, whoa, guess I'm pretty good at this. And, you know, then this company that I'm at now at Lead IQ booked 69 meetings in a single month, um, you know, and then as a result of that and, you know, hitting quota again, again, 10 months in a row is a BDR here. I won SDR of the year at the sales development conference um, that 10 bound puts on um, last year in San Francisco. Um, and now I'm an account executive here at, at Lead IQ and have just, you know, tried to continue that same success. <laughs> well, first of all, congratulations. It's uh, quite an achievement. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't easy. <laughs> how's, yeah, of course, a lot of work, especially making that many meetings. Mm -hmm. How's this, how's this switch between uh, SDR, uh, BDR to uh, account executive? Yeah, so for me, it was pretty smooth um, because I had already done closing and a couple other jobs. Um, you know, I was a full cycle rep doing prospecting and closing and account management uh, at a job like seven, eight years ago for an IT reseller, like, a, you know, a VAR, value added reseller um, called PC Connection. 
And then my last job, I went from BDR to channel manager. So I was managing partners, but also closing deals where referral partners brought us into deals. And then also when I was here, I, I was a BDR here for 15 months, you know, before moving to account executive. So it wasn't like this, you know, only three months and then throw thrown into the fire kind of thing. So it was pretty smooth. And, you know, during that 15 months towards the end of it, I already started to kind of work some deals and do some demos. So it, it made the transition a little bit smoother for me. Gotcha. All right. So let's, are you, when you're talking about all these meetings that you booked, were these inbound come inbound or outbound? For the most, for the most part outbound, um, you know, our, our focus for the BDR team here at lead IQ is, is mostly outbound. When I first started, we, we had our BDRs did both inbound and outbound. And then later on down the road, we brought on an inbound only BDR. So then, you know, I was only doing outbound. Uh, but the month when I had 69 meetings in a month, I think like seven or eight of them were inbound, you know. Uh, but obviously, the majority of that is, is outbound. And even after we had a, an inbound BDR and I was only doing outbound, I still was getting like over 40 meetings a month. Uh, it's outbound is the more difficult, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, a lot of times with, with some of the inbound ones, you know, they just literally just come in on drift. You know, they, they start chatting with the chat bot and say, hey, I want a demo, you know, and it's it's pretty easy. But, um, you know, outbound, obviously, like it's cold. It's cold outreach. They don't know who you are. They don't know, you know, you call them. They don't want to talk to you, you know, <laughs> they just want to hang up on you, you know. So it's it, it's definitely challenging to get that get past that initial resistance, you know, that uh, a lot of times, you know, when you get an objection, whether it's on phone, email, whatever, like they don't even know what you do that. They're not even really listening to you. They're just rejecting like the fact that you're interrupting their day, you know. Person, yeah. So getting past that is oftentimes the hardest part. And then you actually, once you have their attention and they're actually listening, then you, you're, the, your messaging has to be compelling enough for them to spend, you know, to, to book a meeting and, and spend 15, 30 minutes out of their day, you know, to learn more about a product when up until that call, they didn't even know what you exi- what, that you existed. So um, it's certainly challenging, but you know, hey, if it was easy, then everybody would be doing it, and we'd all be millionaires. You know, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. All right. So, so what's your secret? Yeah. So a, a few things. The the really the biggest thing I think that's helped me out a lot is. Um, being able to just really understand that that messaging, whether it's on a phone, email, LinkedIn, whatever, it's got to be compelling. It's got to be good. Like you, you can't just the the old smile and dial approach. You know, spray and pray just doesn't work for us anymore. I something happened when I first started here. I noticed that we did these kind of persona based cadences where you know we segmented a list of prospects based on industries and titles, and you know based on that we had messaging. And they, they were just kind of templates though that are kind of like, hey, any VP of sales in the software industry, like you know we're gonna just kind of send them use this temp, use this, these templates and these cadences for them. And, you know, out of the first 167 emails, like we got one reply, you know, and that was somebody saying, take me off your list. So I realized like you got to you got to dig deeper. You got to do some research and actually make that messaging compelling for them. So one way I do that is, you know, doing some research on their person's LinkedIn profile, looking at their job postings, kind of referencing some stuff that's on their LinkedIn profile, referencing some stuff that's in job postings that are relevant for them, um, checking the CRM. I mean, there's a lot of hidden nuggets in your CRM. If there's a company that you've ever had any interaction with before, 
you know, or if they've evaluated your company, even if they ever replied to one of your emails or somebody from that company ever signed up for a, a free trial with you, you know, that's information you can use. Then when you reach out to that person, it's not cold. Don't treat that like a cold call or a cold email. Like, hey, say, hey, you know, you guys checked us out two years ago. Here's some specific information that we that we learned, you know, and here's the specific, you know, here's why based on that it would make sense for you to check us out again. Like really make it compelling. And hey, six different people from your company have signed up for tri t trial accounts with us in the past year. Like, and then not only will, will I say that, but I'll actually screenshot, you know, I'll do command shift four uh -huh. on my Mac and I'll screenshot that from our admin system that shows that they tested us out. Otherwise that prospect is going to be like, oh yeah, sure. You're just saying that, you know, sure. You're sure we tried you out before. No, I'm, I put in that screenshot right there, you know, um, or if it's something that I'm referencing on, on a LinkedIn post, that they commented on, you know, I'll actually screenshot their comment, you know, with my picture underneath, you know, their <laughs> comment, liking their comment, you know, and sending that like, it's kind of, you know, it's not subtle. I'm beating them over the head with it. You know, you got to really be compelling because otherwise it's, you got to stand out. You know, they're getting a hundred emails a day. They're getting 20 cold calls a day, all these different random people hitting them up with different sales messages. It's so easy for them to just ignore that message or just delete it, just brush you off, you know, so you really got to be compelling with that messaging to actually get their attention. And that's just kind of a few ideas, um, you know, things that I've done to, to stand out and actually get a re reply and get them to give you their time. Uh, another way is like figuring out if they're using a competitor. For us, we, we sell into a competitive space. 90% of our people that we try to re reach out to, they're already using, you know, I'm not going to give them free marketing, but we have two main competitors in our space that most people are using. Uh, if you know who Lead IQ is, you can probably figure it out. And so instead of me just saying, hey, reach out to somebody, hey, we, you know, we're a tool that can get prospect information and get contact info into Salesforce for people you want to reach out to, they're going to be like, okay, yeah, we already have XYZ or ABC. We already have that delete. But if I say, hey, I see you using so-and-so provider, you know, have you ever thought about how every time you do blah, 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 you know, it could actually be done with one click instead of six steps doing all that and save you a bunch of time so that the reps can reach out to more people or have time, more time to do some research on their prospects. You know, that, you know, that's a much more compelling message. Or if I see they're using a specific provider, I can screenshot on G2 crowd where somebody posted, they, they, generated 45% more revenue, 45% more pipeline after they switched from that provider to Lead IQ. I'll, I'll screenshot that and throw that in the email. You know, they'd be an idiot not to reply and book a meeting. You don't want 45% more pipeline? Like, you know, so that's um, some ways you can kind of make, make it more compelling as well. I think you said two, two really powerful things there. <clears throat> I mean, a lot of what you said is like really makes sense, but there's two really things that stand out. <clears throat> and the first being, uh, you know, you're not sending cold emails. Like if you had somebody, a conversation with a person two years ago, don't look at it as a cold email. And I teach somebody, even if you've had no communication with people, don't look at it as a cold email. Speak to them like you already know them and you have a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Do you find that that works as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's different ways that you can kind of um, do that. Well, yeah, like your language. Don't be so formal. 
you know, be, there's a line, you know, and you have to kind of know your, know your buyer. I mean, if you're selling to doctors or physicians or lawyers or something, you know, maybe be, maybe be a little bit more formal and don't say, Hey, what's up? You know, like (laughs) to, to them to start your email. Don't, don't be super casual where it's like, you know, they're going to see you as some frat boy, you know, but don't be, you know, like really overly stuffy, overly professional and formal. It's got to be in between, you know? So, um, you know, that just kind of come across more conversational. Talk to that person, you know, one way to kind of actually do that and understand how what type of language to do is when people actually do start replying to your emails and replying and booking meetings or, you know, when you're actually engaged in a back and forth conversation with somebody that you're working a deal with in your pipeline, look at, look closely at the way those people, you know, if you're selling to CTOs or CIOs or CMOs or whatever it is, when you're actually engaged in a back and forth conversation with those people on over email or over the phone, pay close attention. How do, how are, how, is the, how do they talk? You know, are they formal, informal? If they're, you know, do they speak fast or speak slowly? You know, like how direct are they? You know, like how do they want to be communicated with? And that'll allow you to know. And then you iterate based on that and adjust as you go with future conversations that you're going to have. Absolutely. Be, be, be on the same level as your prospects, basically. Yeah, exactly. You know, if they, they reply to your first email and they don't even say your name, they just go into boom, 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 you know, reply to your message. Then when I reply, I'm not going to say their name. I'm just going to reply back. But if they said, Jeremy, comma, then they, you know, then they start saying their message. I'm going to reply back and I'm going to put Marie, comma. Or if they said, hi, Jeremy, hey, Jeremy, whatever they, whatever they did, I'm going to mirror that, you know, just do personality mirroring based on, you know, um, I actually did a post about this where it's a, a combination of the personality mirroring while at the same time being yourself and letting your own personality, don't, don't be a complete robot and just mirroring them <laughs> completely. Let your personality out as well, but mostly personality mirroring. The more you get to know somebody, if it's somebody like you've been working with a deal, you know, for like six months down the road, then you can let your personality out more and more. But in the beginning, you know, it's like dating. In the beginning, you just do more personality mirroring and then slowly let more of your personality out as you go. Yeah. All right. And the second thing that you said was, you know, that you, when you're sending the email and saying, hey, we see that you're working with competitor X, Here's how is it doing when you have to do six different things to, in order to do accomplish one item or whatever it, whatever it is. It's really important because it's about knowing your competition and having it mapped out where you know their weaknesses and against your strengths and you know how to address that in conversation. And that's something that I feel every company should be doing. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, we actually I actually redid our competitor. Battle card, you know, uh, when when I first joined here, it it was kind of you know really bare bones. They you know when I joined the company, they just had like these PowerPoint slides. Each slide was a competitor, and it had like bullet points, you know, five bullet points for how we compare. I redid it um, because I just based on conversations I was having, I was seeing when I was on a call or you know whether it's via call, email, whatever. When that prospect was speaking to me about why they were buying from us or why what their pain points and challenges were with that current vendor that they used or why they were taking the meeting, I would listen and then I'd write that down and I'd put that into the competitor spreadsheet you know, as, as the bullet points. And if it was via email or LinkedIn message, whatever, I would screenshot that stuff. you know, Or a G2 crowd review, like I mentioned, there's a G2 
crowd review where somebody switched from one of our competitors to lead IQ and generated 45% more pipeline. I screenshot that and throw that in there because it's a lot more compelling and powerful if it's not you saying it, it's your customer. You know, it's a third-party testimonial. So we actually have um, – not only in, in that competitor overview, but also on Google Drive, a list of like, we have like 50 or 60 of these like customer quotes, where it's like, whether it's in an email or a LinkedIn message or a LinkedIn post online, we screenshot different quotes from customers, you know, talking about the success they've had with LeadIQ, you know, in compare, some of them are in, just in LeadIQ, some are in comparison to vendors. And then we have all that saved. So a sales rep can easily just click. And then based on that circumstance, you know, based on the situation, just drop in those different screenshots um, to different emails depending on the situation yeah and a lot of times when you when you're creating those uh competitive kill cards or battle cards um it's more than just listing like okay they have feature a and we have feature a they mm -hmm. have feature b and we don't or yep. vice versa it's like you said it's what what are they their clients saying about them what are their reviews about them I remember I was going head to head against one of my big competitors and uh, one of my previous companies. And I know that every client of theirs was leaving because of a, of slow response times mm -hmm. in a business that response times is everything. And it was an easy win. It's like, Hey, go look at this. They, their response times are really slow. We're, we're going to be here and we're responding within an hour or two. Yep. Yeah, so, so you stick that, with that, that because you know it's going to work. Yeah. And not yep. only that, that, but also take it a step further. And what is the outcome? As a result, you know, so that slower response time. And as a result, XYZ happens, you know, like, yeah. okay, yeah, based on that feature, you know, it's like the, the so what test, you know, like, okay, we, our, our tool can do X, Y, and Z, their tool doesn't. Then the prospect says, so what? And you're like, well, that results in 45% more pipeline or that results in 300% higher connect rates on calls. So what? You get 300% higher connect rates on calls. Well, that's more conversations that, you, you know, you kind of take it a step further uh, and make it even more compelling from there. Absolutely. You show them you walk them through the end result and you walk them through the, the success that will come from it. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's all about the outcomes. <laughs> yeah. All right. What is your outbound when you were doing the SDR aspect? What, what did your outbound cadence look like? What did, uh, what did it entail? Yeah. Good question. I, I get this a lot because, you know, when I talk about how like strategic and targeted and hyper-personalized it is, people are like, well, you know, you can't scale that and, and all this stuff. So it really, my cadence um, is really just eight emails that are spaced out two or three days apart. And each email is blank. Like I don't, I don't do any templates. You know, and then I also will do calls here and there. If I'm doing a call blitz, you know, uh, I'll, I'll you know, bang through a bunch of calls in an hour to, you know, that kind of thing. Um, also, like, what one thing that I'll do is I'll make 10 calls right thing, first thing in the morning. And I, knew, I lined up those 10 calls because before I left the previous day, you know, I, I set aside the first 10 calls that I, I wrote, wrote down, like the first 10 calls that I was going to make. You know, so I'm kind of, I'll, I'll make 10 calls first thing in the morning and then I'm watching my sales loft, you know, ticker that tells you when people are opening and viewing and clicking your emails, you know, because I'll, I'll send 10 emails, the, the first 10 people that I call, then I'll email them as well. And then throughout the day, if I see people are, you know, opening and viewing, clicking my emails, I'll call them as well. Um, but it's really just kind of eight emails because I've read studies that have said, you know, if you give up before eight, 
then you're missing out on opportunities. If you only email somebody once or twice, three times, you know, then some a lot of times they're just not going to respond yet until they've kind of there's enough familiarity there. Oftentimes it takes seven times for somebody to see your name or your company's name before it really registers in their brain as familiar enough that it would actually be relevant and worth their time to actually respond. Um, so I always have at least eight emails in, in, a, in a cadence, and then I just sprinkle in calls in there. And I'm obviously looking the person up on LinkedIn as well, so they're getting a notification that I viewed their LinkedIn profile. Um, you know, and I might also um, you know, view their profile and then like comment on one of their posts and, and you know, do some um, social um, activity as well. Okay, and how many calls would you say plus minus? I usually will call them at least two or three, if not four times, you know, so three or four calls, maybe five per, per prospect, um, along with those eight emails. And I'm also reaching out to multiple, multiple people at the company, you know, so depending on the size of the company, if it's SMB, I reach out to two people per account, mid market, three to five contacts per account, enterprise, six to eight contacts per account. Um, so, you know, reaching out to multiple people at the account, you know, and I'll try the top down approach, bottom up, you know, go C level and try to get a referral down, you know, go for the, the lower, you know, um, person and get a, get a referral up, you know, and just kind of attack them from all angles. Yeah. <laughs> Vicious. Yeah. <laughs> but with value, you know, I'm not, I'm not just kind of, of like random, like, Hey, you know, like there's all, there's that compelling messaging. And if there's value, there's, there's something you're conveying what's in it for them, like how this will actually help their business, you know, then usually they don't, they don't find it. Like they don't, they don't just see me as something that's like someone that's hunting them down, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. You said that a lot of people ask you that question, like what does your cadence look like? And that they're shy, like, and you said because you can't scale that level of personalization. I, I wanted to, to address that because I think that it's, I'd actually rather reach out to 10 people highly personalized mm -hmm. than 100 people not personalized. Exactly. What do you think? Definitely. I, I agree because especially with email, spam filters these days you know, are so robust in that if your email – like I, I, I literally will do this test sometimes where I will look at my – my own spam fil spam folder and I'll look at the emails that are in there and some of them, you know, are actual like sales emails, like cold emails from these BDRs that are, you know, reaching out to me that I never see. I never see them be because they they went into spam and I look at, hmm, what do I see in common? You know, what, do, what, do, what are these, these emails that are, that are automatically just filtering, going straight to the spam filter have in common? One thing I see in all of them is that you know they want number one they're not very personalized at all they're just kind of you know sending them out to everybody that went to Dreamforce last year <laughs> you know yeah. or everybody that you know uh, fits a certain you know is in a certain industry or like it usually doesn't even specific to my to my title or anything like you know they're just kind of just random spray and pray emails but another thing that I that I note you know so it goes back to like lower volume more strategic targeted you know, reach out to less people and make it actually more relevant to them. But also another thing that I notice is all of them are just text. You know, it, it'll just say they all follow the same pattern or formula. You know, there's hello, Jeremy, comma, space, you know, a line break. Then I'm reaching out because blah, 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 you know, some type of personalization or something, you know, or referencing some something about my title or whatever. Then there's a value prop. Then there's a call to action, cheers, whatever the name is, or best regards, whatever. Like they all follow that same pattern and it's always just text. So one thing, 90% of my emails, they either have a GIF 
a video or a screenshot with, you know, the screenshot would have some type of maybe like customer testimonial or customer like quote in there, um, you know, or like for the screenshot, maybe I put some data that we have on that particular, I do, did some research and I see they sell to, you know, whatever CIOs in the healthcare industry. So I run a list in lead IQ of prospects that we have to fit that profile and I'll actually send them some, some free leads, you know, free data that we have, you know, based on, I was able to figure out who they sell to by going on their website looking at their case studies, you know, and seeing, kind of connecting the dots of figuring out what their ICP might be and not just sending the same screenshot to everybody, you know. Um, that's an example of a, a, a screenshot that I might send, you know, for, you know, a gift. Maybe it's a funny gift that, you know, I have a few funny gifts that m might make people laugh. I might, you know, if I know that they use like <laughs> Salesforce or SalesLoft or Outreach, something like that, I'll tell them, hey, our, our SalesLoft or Salesforce out, um, integration is smooth as butter. And then I have this funny, silly GIF that, you know, is like this piece of toast that's like going like this, smothering the butter on itself. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hilarious. Um, you know, and then there, there's like, then I have another one that's like, uh, you know, if I just want to make them laugh, like a GIF that just says, hey, lead IQ is the bee's knees. You know, and there's like this GIF, there's this hilarious GIF of like a bee that like has has knees and it's just like, you know, touching its knee. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a really funny thing. You know, so there's different GIFs that I might use um, or a video. You know, I use Vidyard and I'll, th I'll put, you know, different videos in there. But so it's visual, you know, it's something that's going to stand out more having that video or a GIF or a screenshot in there. It's going to look to that prospect right away when the second they open it look more personalized to them like somebody actually took the time to kind of you know learn about them and do this instead of just like you know batch and blast take a template segment a list hit send you know um that usually just doing that alone will get like an increase of at least 10 percent um, on, on the reply rate absolutely and i think what's also nice is Going back to what we were talking about before in the emails and how you mimic people and mirror people, you're starting to let your personality come out. And even though they haven't responded yet, let be yourself and, and put some professional but personality in there. Not everything has to be mm -hmm. very strict and black and white, uh, like you have the toast buttering himself up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yep. And it really gets, it really breaks people's patterns as well. And they really like, wow, okay, and now like I have to respond. Like, mm -hmm. how can you not respond to that? Yeah. Another pattern interrupt that I do is I call it the dancing banana. So if I leave a voicemail for somebody, you know, a strategy that I, that I like to do is like, you know, I'll call them and email them, you know, simultaneously. Like I'll call first. If I don't get through, I'll leave a voicemail, you know, and then I'll send an email right after that. So they're getting the voicemail and they're getting the email, you know, it's like a double tap. But what I'll do is I don't, when I leave a voicemail, I wanted, to, I, I got this idea because I wanted to do something different. Everybody else, when they leave a voicemail, you know, they say, Hey, this is my name. This is my company name. This is what we do. Here's our value prop. Here's my phone number. Call me back, whatever. Like, I say at the end of the, you know, at some point in that voicemail, I say, I'm going to email you right now. It's going to be a really cool email. So I hype up the email and I say the email is going to, subject line is going to be dancing banana, you know? So check, check out that email. It's going to, it's going to, the subject line is going to be dancing banana. So then when they check their inbox, they see my email, subject line is dancing banana. And then there's my personalized custom email in there along with a dancing banana gif. So I, I even put a GIF of like this dancing banana. Like you could just, uh, you know, I have it saved on my computer. I just click and then just boom, I can drop it into any email, you know. So the subject line they see, dance banana, and they see like the GIF of the dance banana in there. So the voicemail and the email, they're both pattern interrupts. They're both, you know, you're hearing that dance banana in the voicemail and you're seeing the dance banana in the email, both things that you, t you come out of left field. You wouldn't expect that in any other e 
email that you're getting, you know, as well as you're kind of, they're going to look for that email because they heard the voicemail. And that subject line, when you're that person's looking through their inbox, they see all the subject lines, they look like really salesy or whatever. They see Dancing Banana and it's going gonna, it's gonna to stand out. Um, so they're more likely yeah. to open it. Terrific. And you said that you're using Vidyard. Um, without being a sales pitch for Vidyard, uh, what do they do? Yeah, so you know, it's a, a video platform that allows a sales rep to very easily and quickly um, be able to record a video for a prospect, and then you know, have it be embedded into that email that you're sending them. Yeah, and it embeds it as a GIF. Yep, exactly. So and they the, see, and it then you moving. click on it, and then you could see the video. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now that people know what it is, how are you? How often are you using it and how do you use that? Because I think it's a gr uh, terrific tool. Yeah, so I use at, le at least one video, video um, in every cadence, you know, and it's typically going to be at least one of the first three emails that I send them. So if it's eight emails, you know, in a cadence, um, one of the first three is going to be, you know, a, a vidyard, you know, and there's a few different ways that I, types of videos that I might send. Um, one is, um, when I just kind of will do songs and I have a guitar right here. Well, this isn't on video. This is audio only. So you can't see it. I have a guitar here in my office and I don't even know how to play the guitar. So it's not like, oh, you have to have this special skill or whatever. Like I, this is my fiance's guitar. Like I don't even know how to play. And I just send videos where like I sing about the prospect and their company and you know, like based on the research that I did, like how we can maybe help them, but I kind of make it into this rhyming song and I just kind of wing it. And it takes me less than a minute to record. Like I make up the words as I go along. Like I don't like practice the notes and stuff like that. So I am able to scale it and do it faster than most reps would type out like a custom email to somebody and they type out like three paragraphs and all this stuff. And meanwhile, I've already done two videos. Um, yeah. You know, so that's one type that I do. Another type of video is where I can send videos to multiple people. So it's not 100% customized and personalized. Like for example, um, if somebody views my LinkedIn profile and they're a good prospect for me to reach out to, I have a video that I can just boom, hit send. So I've sent the same video to many people. Anybody who has viewed my LinkedIn profile, if they're a good prospect, they get this video where, you know, subject line in the email says, made you a music video. Who's not going to open that, you know? And then I even put like an emoji in the subject line, so it's going to further stand out in their inbox with the the, the camera, you know, a, a camera in the in this mm. for an emoji. And the video is just a thirty second video where the song it's like Michael Jackson and Roswell. I always feel like somebody's watching me, you know. Um, that song is playing, and I'm just dancing around to that song. I'm just dancing to it, and then one of our other reps on our team is in the background, like peering from around the corner, like looking from behind a door, looking <laughs> at looking at me. And because the, because I'm sending it to a prospect that just viewed my LinkedIn profile, you know, they're they're looking at me, they're checking me out, like you know, but they didn't say anything to me, you know, they look at my profile, but they didn't send me a connection request, or they didn't, you know, we we're not already talking so it's kind of like this you know meta thing and then below the the, the video is like a you know a customized like hey you know here's why you should check out lead iq whatever i don't just send the video you know i kind of you know we'll, we'll send them some type of pitch as well that's one example of a thing that i can send to many people you know another example is like if they are somebody who's moved up career-wise at their job you know most people if they're a good prospect to reach out to you're not you're, you're not reaching out to somebody who you know you're reaching out to somebody like c-level vp level person who's moved up and maybe they got promoted recently 
So I'll put, hey, congrats on how you've moved up, you know, from whatever title they used to have to title they have now or whatever. And then I'll say, you're moving on up. And then below that is a video of me and a couple other coworkers here in the office dancing to that song, the Jefferson's theme song. We're moving on up, moving on up to the east side. You know, it's a 30 second video. We're dancing around and we're like going like this to the, you know, to thumbs up to the camera. And then I send that to the person, you know, and I'm like, hey, congrats, you're moving on up, whatever. I send that video. Um, and then I put my, you know, personalized value prop below that. Uh, that's just a couple examples of way you, you can kind of scale it as well. So um, for, I, I for think people. in in general the the rule of thumb here is is have fun with your uh, prospecting. Yeah, because it, it will make it more fun for you. It makes it more real. Mm-hmm. You'll be more likely to get smiles and laughs, and they'll respond. Yep, they see you uh, as and as that's a all human. you want to do. <clears throat> exactly, because mm-hmm. the whole point of these emails is just to engage the people, not to sell them. Yep. You're not going to close them on the email. Exactly. You just need to get them to respond and open up the conversation so that they're having a real dialogue with you and they're actually opening up and sharing information about their team or their process, the way they're doing things right now. Because you need to understand their current state. What, how are they doing things right now? So you can see if you can help influence and, and improve their future state. You know, And you can't, you, know, you, get, you need to open up the dialogue and get them to respond some way. Yeah. Now, you, you're putting these GIFs in there, you're putting these videos, and you're putting emojis in the subject line, uh, but you're doing that in order so it looks more real and, and gets past the spam filters. But it, doesn't the spam filters look for emojis and, and these kind of things? I don't think so because, you know, when I look at my spam folder, you know, I, I sometimes will, will, will do that. I'll just click spam and I'll look at all the emails that are in there. I never see... You know, I never see emojis in the subject line um, in there, and I never see videos in there. Um, I, as long as you're not putting links or attachments, you know, in your in your email, you know, um, because those, if you put on a link or an attachment, um, in you know, if it's an email where you haven't engaged with that company, if they haven't replied to you before, once that company replies to one of your company's emails, then it lowers the threshold on the spam. Like they're much less likely to, you know, that company, now your emails are going to get delivered. There's actually, they kind of are saying to, to their mail server, hey, this is okay. We're talking to this company. But if it's the first email, you've, they've never replied to any of your emails before, don't send links or attachments. They're probably going to go to spam. Um, but as long as, you know, so as long as you're not doing that, then you should be okay. And what about Vidyard? Uh, because that's actually sending a, a, it's a GIF, but with a link. Yeah, usually I, I haven't had, you know, like those go to spam. You know, usually they, they, I've gotten a lot of replies on the first email with a video in it. So even though it is like kind of a link in there, it's, you know, maybe a different type of link that it's putting. It's like an embedded, you know, video in there. So it usually works out okay that I, you know, get replies on a lot of times to the first email um, that I send people. Yeah, usually those guitar videos, I, I just send that in the first email. Um, you know, another kind of funny one that I do is like we have, you know, we're able to get people's cell phone numbers and direct direct line phone numbers and stuff. So sometimes if I have the direct phone number for somebody to a prospect and maybe I got the voicemail or something, um, then I'll do I'll take the song eight six seven five three zero nine and I'll sing that song. But I'll change 8675309 to the prospect's phone number and I'll change Jenny to the prospect's name, record that, you know, and then send that to him. Um, Yeah, I've gotten some meetings using that too. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. All right. So besides Vidyard uh, and, and what other tools are you using to accomplish all this? 
Yeah, so the main stack of tools that I'm using is, you know, Salesforce for CRM, um, Salesloft for like a cadence, you know, to like track email opens and a dialer to be able to just click and call and stuff like that. Um, so Salesloft, LinkedIn Sales Navigator to help like identify the right people to reach out to and build lists. And um, and then, of course, Lead IQ um, Shameless Plug is able to, you know, import those people right from Sales Navigator, get their contact info, get it into Salesforce and, and into uh, Salesloft cadence. And then Vidyard, um, you know, those are the main ones that I'm that I'm using on a daily basis. All right. So being personal is one of your or personalizing your your approach and having fun is is one of your biggest strengths uh, as a as a salesperson, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, what what else are you doing that you could accredit your success to that most other people are not? Yeah, so I, I think um you know, again, it's it goes back to the, like how compelling is that messaging, and you know most and, and really understanding to make it compelling. A big thing that I really try to do is gain a really deep understanding of your existing customers. You know who is buy, who buys from you today. So I, I built a spreadsheet. <clears throat> um, you know, like you know, it, it's in Google Google uh, Sheets, or you know, you can use Excel, whatever you use. Um, and I have all of our customers listed there. Not all of them, you know, but a lot of them. I think it's like 176 customers deep at this point that are on the spreadsheet. I mean, you know, you can do, if you're really early stage, maybe you only put your first 10 customers on there or, or the top 10 or top 20 customers that are paying you the most annual revenue, you know, you put on there. And then, you know, I have the, the account listed on one column. Another column says, what do they do? Like, you know, what do they actually do as a company? Because then you can see some trends, you know, are all of your your biggest customers, are they all, you know, mid mid-sized healthcare, you know, companies or are most of them, you know, enterprise software, you know, like, so what do they do? Like, how, how big are they? What industry are they in? Have that populated? Where are they based? Maybe do an event. If you see 80% of your top customers are all in L.A., you know, do an event in LA, you know, whatever, to kind of draw some correlations there. Maybe focus your efforts on, you know, selling into Europe if more of your customers are in Europe, you know. Um, and then another last column is the story. Like, why did they buy from you? Like, what pain point challenge did they have? Like, what made them buy from you? And then also another column you can add on there is the title, the title or the role of that person who, you know, took the initial meeting. Because uh, that's what you're looking for. You're trying to just get that initial engagement, initial meeting. Oftentimes, that'll, that'll be a different person that who, who actually ends up signing the contract. So really just like kind of studying that and making sure that's your Bible to like get as much detail and information in there as possible on your existing customers so you can reverse engineer to find companies that fit a similar profile. And when you reach out to those companies, you know, you make that messaging more compelling by maybe – Oh yeah, another column that I have on that spreadsheet is competitors. You know, so if we close the deal with Gainsight, who are their top three competitors? I go on Owler for that. You know, so I'll throw their top three competitors in there. Now, if I'm messaging, you know, somebody who competes with Gainsight, I say, hey, you know, one of your competitors is using us. You know, um, 
they've had really good success. Here's a screenshot instead of you, because then you're not, they're not going to believe me. Maybe they're not going to believe if I just say, oh yeah, because say, hey, yeah, Gainsight uses us. But if I screenshot their director of sales development, Andrea Leiden, in a LinkedIn message saying to, uh, to me how much success her team has had using us, and she actually said in a LinkedIn message, feel free to name drop me and Gainsight anytime you want. I'll screenshot that, you know, and send that to one of their competitors. Hey, you might want to check us out too. What are your thoughts? You know, like boom, send that into one of their competitors. It's all, you know, then you can kind of have those stories and reference that to, to certain companies that fit a similar profile to make that messaging more relevant. I think it's really important what, you, what you're talking about. I, I had an episode a few weeks ago uh, with Spencer Dent where we talk about win-loss uh, analysis. And it's don't just analyze the losses. Mm -hmm. Take your wins and analyze your wins. And that's kind of what you're saying here is analyze your wins. How did you get that yep. person? How did, how did that person become evolved? And then that way you could mimic that. Exactly. Yeah. And you'll have those stories and then you can find other companies that fit, you know, a similar profile. And another thing you can do is like, you know, in that case where, you know, Andrea Leiden from Gainsight said, you know, feel free to name drop me and Gainsight anytime you want. Well, you know what I can do is I can, I'm already connected to her on LinkedIn, obviously. I can go on her LinkedIn profile, click on her connections, and in Sales Navigator, that'll populate as a prospect list. You know, and then I can yeah. further filter down. So if she's connected to 2,500 people, I filter down by only certain industries that I want to go after and certain titles and company size. You've built your list how you normally would in Sales Navigator, but these are all people that are connected to Andrea. You know, and then when I, re you know, so it's going to be a, maybe a small list of only 40 or 50 prospects. Well, these are all people who are the right target accounts. They're the right decision makers at those accounts. They're all connected to that person. Subject line, mutual connection, comma, Andrea Leiden in my first email to them. Hey, so-and-so, one of our mutual connections is Andrea Leiden from over at Gainsight. You know, here's that screenshot where she said how much success her team has had using the IQ. You know, since somebody in your network is is using us and having a lot of success, you know, thought you might want to check this out as well. What are your thoughts on talking? You know, that's going to get, you know, very high reply rate using using a campaign like that. Absolutely. Well, uh, Jeremy, I think we could uh, have another two or three episodes just of, of all this uh, <laughs> prospecting and, and how to make it work successfully. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, so I really appreciate you coming and sharing with us. How can people reach out to you and, uh, if they want to get to know you more? Yeah, just check out um, my LinkedIn profile. If you just go on LinkedIn and search Jeremy Levier, um, you know, you'll see the guy with the flamingo suit. Um, yeah, as, as my LinkedIn picture and, you know, feel free to connect with me on there and, and message me, um, or just email Jeremy at leadiq.com and I'm happy to talk. Terrific. I'll put a, a link in the show notes for your, uh, LinkedIn as well. So it's a one click for people. Cool. Sounds good. Cool. Jeremy. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io. 